in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again for this chance to go into your word uh, and learn a little bit more about who you are and a little bit more about who we are to you. Lord, I ask that you would, again, just speak to us through your word this morning. Lord, that we would be blessed by your words and your voice today. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It feels like church service is moving really fast. We might be over really quick, and I, I, promise, I promise I did a lot of reading and took a lot of notes, but I feel like I'm talking fast and there's not a lot to say. Uh, but I do need to make note, um, last week we shared our need, my, my wife and I shared our need about our son Mason. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, we talked about uh, how we have heard from our, our surgeons for his back uh, and that we were in need of $40,000 to be able to get in the door with them. Uh, we had complete ready and and we were we were praying to god for strength and endurance because we thought it was going to take like two or three years um, with fundraising and everything else um, on monday we received a check for forty thousand dollars <laughs> um yeah please it, it's it's amazing what god will do because we did not I did not, I don't know, maybe Alex did, but I did not expect to, uh, to bring that need so early um, in the discussion. Uh, I did not expect to, to talk in front of, in, in this capacity, I was actually planning on waiting for the congregational meeting, which has generally been when I explain what's going on in my life as well to the congregation, but um, thank you for your, your prayers. Uh, at this point, we, we will still be doing some fundraising because there's still, op, there's still a chance at the end that we might still owe something on top of that. Uh, but whatever we do make, if we don't use it, our plan is already to pass it on to the, uh, the next family who might need a surgery like this or the next family who is in need for, for something for their kids. Um, it's, it's the only thing that we can do with that. So uh, thank you again. Um, um, I, if I go on more about it, I'll just start blubbering. So we're just going to leave it at that, that we are so thankful and we are so blessed. Um, so <laughs> all that being said, uh, John 19, right before Christ is about to be crucified, we have this interaction where Pilate writes on a sign above the cross that says, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And I don't, I don't know if it was written in jest at Jesus. I don't know if Pilate had a little bit of insight for who he was actually dealing with here. I really don't know. But I love the interaction he has with the priests. The reaction to seeing what Pilate has written is, can you change that? Because he's not really our king. He just, he said he was our king. I think it makes us look bad if you go and you say he's our king and then you go and you crucify him. 
I, I find this exchange so interesting because it is the same mentality the Jewish people have had ever since they were just the Israelites. Ever since they, they started with their kings, this is the mentality that they have always had. And I'm, I'm going to show it to you. If you have your Bibles, jump back with me. We're going all the way back to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background here. Uh, up to this point, Israel did not have any kings. You can go through the entire book of Judges. That's, that's the whole era before Samuel comes along. Samuel is supposed to be like the last great judge of Israel. But up to this point, they've had no kings. They've only had every once in a while, uh, someone rises up and leads the nation of Israel in a time of need. And things just continually to get worse and worse and worse in their society that the people of Israel, the leaders, the, the, the chiefs of all the tribes come to Samuel and they say, look, I think it would be better if we just had a king. Could we just have a king to deal with this? And Samuel says, no, trust me, you don't, that's, not, no, that's not what you want. That's not what you want. God is our king. We don't need a king. We have God. We, God is supposed to be our king. And if we would just do what we're supposed to do, we wouldn't have so many problems. And the leader said, yeah, but I think we need a king. So Samuel goes to God and he says, what am I supposed to do with these guys? All they want, is, all they want to talk about is they want a king. And all I'm trying to tell them is that you're our king and we don't need another king. And, and God tells Samuel, look, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Give them what they want. But tell them what will happen. So this, this next statement that we'll read here in 1 Samuel 8, uh, starting in verse 11, is Samuel telling the leaders what to expect with a king. He says, this is how a king will reign over you. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and will force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olives and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officials and, and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but the Lord will not help you. So Samuel tells them, he's going to take everything from you. He's going to take everything from you. All the, that you want from a king, you might get, but in return, he's going to take everything from you. Because that's the king's mentality, right? Because it doesn't matter what office he holds, he's still human. So a king's mentality is to lord over their subjects. They're not always concerned with the subject's well-being, but more for their own. Is more concerned with his comfort 
and his security. That's why he's going to take all your sons and put them in his army to keep him safe. That's why he's going to take all your daughters and make them cook and clean and make perfumes to keep him comfortable. That's why he's going to take all your crops so he can be comfortable. See, the idea of a human king means he's going to send other people to die so that he can live. And that's what Samuel is trying to tell them. That's what Samuel is revealing to them. And in verse 20, these leaders come back and they say, Even so, we still want a king. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So why do they want a king? They want to look like everybody else. They look around and they see all these other nations around them, which, by the way, they've been fighting this whole time. If you have like those little maps in the back of your Bible, you can go and look, and you can look at all the nations that are around the beginnings of Israel, and then you can go back through the Old Testament, and you'll see, oh, they fought them, oh, and they fought them, and they fought them, and they fought them. They've been fighting all these people, and they look at them, and they go, I think it'd be better if we were just like them. They all have kings. We should just be like them. Because maybe they look at these people, and they go, I think they have it better than we do. Or maybe they look at it and say, you know what, if we were like them, they'd probably leave us alone. See, really, and they even say, after they say they want to be like the nations around us, they say, our king will judge us and lead, it into bat- lead us into battle. You can almost throw away that whole, that our king will judge us, because they're trying to, like, put that in as a throwaway sentence for Samuel to be like, no, 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 he'll keep us in line. It'll be a good thing. He'll keep us in line. But he'll also keep us safe because he'll lead us into battle. As we, we just stated, how a king leads into battle. Everybody go. I'll be here. Good job. Right? It's not the king who leads his armies into battle. He sends his armies into battle. He might be on the battlefield, but you better believe he's got a lot of people between him and the other army. So why? Why ever would they choose this king, even given the truth that Samuel gives them? Maybe it's as simple as sometimes it's easier to put your faith in something you can see. Maybe it's easier to just trust in a goodness that you can see. For the Israelites, they're saying, well, we'd really just like to be safe. We'd really like a break from all this fighting. So maybe if we could just be like them, they'll leave us alone. Maybe in our own lives, we would say, if we could just feel a little bit safer, or maybe a little bit happier, or maybe a little bit more important, my problems would probably go away. If I could just have this house or this car, this specific relationship or this specific life or that specific identity, then I would feel so much better about myself. So what we do in order to achieve these things is we appoint the king that gets us what we want. We appoint the king that we think is going to get us what we want. 
For some of us, it's, it's a certain politician. Oh, he's going to take care of me. I'll get what I want then. For some of us, it's a specific job. Well, if I get that job, then I'll have everything I want. For some of us, it is that specific relationship. Oh, if I just marry the right person, then I'll have the perfect family, and I'll just be the happiest little person ever. These are kings that take us away from Jesus. You see, as, as we try to reach for something that we would see as goodness, it is a good thing to have a good family. It is a good thing to have a good job. It is a good thing to be politically motivated. But what do we give up for it? As Samuel tells the Israelites, you're going to give up a lot. See, Maybe we reject God because we look around and we say, well, they have what I want, and they got it without God. Or maybe we believe that maybe God doesn't actually want that for me, so I'm going to try and go around him. Or maybe we think it'll actually require less of us. I want, I want you to let that statement sit with you for a minute. Maybe you think it would require less of you. Last week we talked about the, the five different kinds of sacrifices that we find in the Old Testament. Months and months ago I, I preached about how the, uh, the nation of Israel actually came up with 615 different laws to follow. They took the Ten Commandments and said, oh, that's not good enough. So they added another 605. Said, that ought to do it. It looks really difficult to follow God. It looks really difficult to follow Jesus Christ. And so maybe we think, well, if I can go around God, it's probably going to be a lot easier. So we appoint the king that gets us what we want. Instead of realizing that oftentimes it is those things that we want that are causing the problem. For the Israelites, they wanted to be like everybody else. And so God said, yeah, go ahead. There's a reason why all of those other people are so warlike. There's a reason why they're not around today, if you think about it. You're going to realize being just like them, not all it's cracked up to be. And you don't see it from the outside. Because in the end, what you will find is that these worldly kings, these things that are like money, these things that are like power, these things that are like comfort, they actually require you to sacrifice goodness to get it. And you don't see that in the contract until you've already done it. You see, because if king is your money, then you will sacrifice generosity and blessing, because at no point will there be enough money for you. If your king is power, then you will sacrifice edifying relationships that would otherwise help you and help those around you to grow and connect on deep levels, because you can't let anybody else rise up, because then you won't have power over them. 
You see, there is no worldly king that will not require you to give up goodness when you pledge allegiance to them. There is no worldly king that will not require you to sacrifice goodness. You're going to give something up. And it's going to be good. But Jesus shows us a different way. The cross shows us a different way. So if you still have your Bibles, I'm going to make you jump again. We're going all the way back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Some of you might, might know this one off the top of your head, but I'll, I'm going to read it to you anyway. Jesus shows us a different way of what a king should look like, what the Israelites missed out on for hundreds of years. Verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What, Pete, what Paul is saying here is, Jesus is the king who is worthy of your allegiance. He's worthy of your allegiance because he's not going to lord it over you. He's worthy of your allegiance because he came and instead of sending you to give everything, he gave everything. He's worthy of your praise because he's the only one who's going to do that. See, those worldly kings will offer us a sliver of something, but they take everything in return. But because God wants us to actually experience the fullness of what his goodness is, because God wants us to experience the fullness of what the life he originally created for us, he gave everything. He sacrificed. See, we gain everything because he gave everything. So when Jesus is our king, we actually gain true happiness because our joy is not connected to something that can be taken away. When Jesus is our king, we find our true identity because we can now work on being the person we were created to be. When Jesus is our king, we find true peace because we understand that the God of the universe is in control and cares about what happens to me because he loves me. And we know that because of the cross. We know he cares. And we know he loves us because of the cross. See, the cross is actually a symbol 
of God's humility, as Paul says, and his love for his creation. It shows that he, what he is willing to give up for us. And there is no other worldly king that is willing to do that. You know, so I, I can't lie to you. This is our concluding points. Like I said, it's going to go quick. Concluding points here. I can't lie to you. Making Jesus your king does require something. We talked earlier about how maybe, maybe trying to go around God would actually be a little bit easier. It might be easier. But what's the cost? See, what Jesus actually requires from us, as he says in Matthew 16, 25, you don't need to turn there, I'll read it to you right now. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What does Jesus require? Just your life. We are called to give up our lives. That means we, we need to give up our desires that would take us away from God. We need to give up our worldly kings. That's what Jesus requires. Can you do that? Are you willing to release your grip on your own life? Release your desire to only see what you want to see? Are you willing to, to release your desire for your own kingdom, for the sake of Jesus's? Are you willing to listen to God moving in your heart, to give up on the plans that you might have because you hear God telling you, I'd like you to do something else? So maybe it's, we don't actually need that extra car because somebody else might need some help. Or maybe it's, oh, I don't need to take that trip because I'd like to use my time for something else. Or it's, you know what, I don't, I don't really need to, I don't need to take that extra position. I don't need that prestige because I think I can do more where I am. Those are really difficult decisions because we so appreciate our worldly kings. See, when Jesus is your king and you listen to his word on your heart and you forfeit your own desires for the sake of his kingdom, Be ready for some absolutely amazing blessings. We have this idea that, oh, it's going to be really hard. That's going to be really difficult giving that up. Oh, gosh, it's just, oh, it's going to be really uncomfortable to have to go through that. Maybe. And you're going to be blessed beyond anything you could think of. You want peace through trials? He's got that. 
Do you want confidence in your identity or in your direction in life? He's got that. Do you want happiness? True, eternal happiness? He's got that. You make him your king. And that is what he promises you. Real, real blessing. Make him your king today. Today. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, these decisions are not easy. We make them sound so easy from here, from this pulpit. They're not easy. Lord, to give up things that we so desire, but for your sake. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for all who would hear this, that they would have your wisdom, that they would have your strength to be able to make these decisions, to be able to see what they would gain. Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every one of us. Show us your way. Lord, help us to make you our king today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.